Project Taryag, Day 10, Mitzvah Nun. And that is the mitzvah of Bezdin to judge those people who chayv beheading in And those mitzvahs which chayv in Saif, it's a mitzvah kala, it's considered one of the two less severe death penalties. There's a machlekes in the Gemara between Saif, beheading, and strangling, which is considered the lightest of the penalties. We ask that chenek is the lightest. Saif is one above that. Now, there are a number of examples, but the one which the Torah is focusing on now is if a person kills his slave. A person has a non-Jewish slave, an Evaknani, so he's allowed to work the slave and even hit the slave. But if he kills the slave and the slave dies within 24 hours of being attacked, of being injured by his, uh, by his master, so the Torah says that the master is going to get Chanak. Now, according to most opinions, like we saw before, this is a standard in for murder. A murderer gets herag, uh, he gets beheaded, and therefore if a person murders his slave, within 24 hours the slave dies, then he gets beheaded as well. But according to the Chinuch, that learns, even though we don't know what his source was, that a regular murderer gets chenek, gets strangulation, if that's the case, it comes out that the slave who gets chenek, sorry, the slave who gets herag, is more severe than killing another Jewish person. How can that be? So the Chinuch gives us as far. And he says, Hashem wanted to uproot from the midst of Israel cruelty. Someone can get that angry and be that aggressive that he's going to kill his own servant who is defenseless and is in his own house. It belongs to him. So he's being really self-destructive. The Evid wasn't an opposition. The Evid is his. If that's the case, it's coming from a tremendously bad mood of unrestrained anger and cruelty. And if that's the case, He gets killed for that. An amazing thing. The, the, the penalty for killing another person Herag would suffice, uh, the lightest missile of strangulation would suffice for, suffice for that according to the Chinuch. But over here there's a second point, and that is the anger and the cruelty involved in killing not an enemy or someone who's opposing him, but killing his own servant. That shows the worst midah, and if that's the case, the penalty is more severe as well. Right. Again, it's a mitzvah from the Bastin, and if Bastin don't administer this mitzvah, then the Bastin are being battle of the mitzvahs, I say, which is mutal them to do. Mitzvah in the Nalif, and that is the mitzvah based on to deal with cases of injuries caused by animals. The Torah says that an animal can get aggressive and can cause damage. That's what the Gemara calls Karen, because the pr- primary example of this would be a bull or an ox who has horns and he uses his horns to go and attack, damage either other animals or property or even people. Right. The Torah is the studio shyness. The one is kiyigach, which is to go. The other is kiyigof, which means to push. And they're both acts of aggression on the part of the animal. The only difference is exactly how he's going to do it. And either way around, on both of them, any activity the animal does aggressively and causes damage, the owner is high to pay. So it doesn't just apply to a show. If a person is a different animal which causes damage out of anger, what do you call Karen? Then there too, the owner will be hired to pay for it.
However, here the Torah separates the payment between what we call a tam, in other words, an animal which hasn't done damage in the past and is not likely to damage again, or a muad, which means the animal which has already damaged a number of times. And there's makhlaiks in the Gemara, what makes an animal into a muad? Is it because he's damaged on three consecutive days, or three consecutive times, even on one day? And similarly, there's makhlaiks in the Gemara, how an animal regains its status as a tam, and that is if it refrains from causing damage for three days, or it becomes so docile that even children can play with it, then it goes back to its previous status of being a tam. And the difference is a tam only pays half the nezek, half the damage he causes, and that's capped by what you call me go for the value of the animal itself, whereas a muad pays the full damage that he causes, and however much it's going to be, that's what he'd be high to pay. Similarly, the Gemara discusses what level of shmir, protection one needs to his animals to make sure that he's not responsible, so to speak, for the damage they cause. There are also those animals which are always a muad. A shara might not necessarily always be aggressive, but if a person is keeping wild animals, lions or bears or panthers or snakes, those animals are always called aggressive, and therefore from the beginning, even the first time it causes damage, a person would have to pay the full extent of the damage. The conclusion of the Gemara is that Chatzin Nezek, paying half the damage that he caused, is also a knas. And if that's the case, it would only be in Eretz Yisrael where the Dayan and the judges are smuchim and would be allowed to judge Dine Knossos. In Babel, they wouldn't be allowed to judge. And that important point to know is that that doesn't absolve the person from his responsibility. Even if Basin aren't allowed to judge him, as far as Hashem goes, he's still chayv, and therefore he should make good the damage he caused. The one case that we do have Basin's involvement, and that is if the injured party would go and grab, so to speak, things belonging to the owner of the shor who caused the damage, Basin wouldn't force him to return them if what he took wasn't more than the amount of the damage which would have been owing to him had Basin been able to judge the case. Mitzvah and base, and that is Shalalechel If a shor kills a person, then halach is we're going to stone the shor. And it needs a base in, just like we learned from a pasuk. If we wanted to kill a human being for murder, we would need a basin of 23 judges to judge him. So same thing over here. When we're going to try an animal for murder, we need a basin of 23 judges, and we'll need to bring the owner there to be present when we testify or when we pass a verdict against his animal. And then the mitzvah is we stone the animal. Obviously, if we stone the animal, one can no longer eat it because it's now in the veiler. It didn't die through shechita. But the Torah says an extra pasuk, You can't eat from the Sharon Yiskol, which would mean even if one would preempt the stoning and shecht it, he hasn't gained anything because even though it's now been shechted halachically in a kosher fashion, it would still be awesome for him to eat it. Not only that, it would also be awesome to get hano to derive any benefit from the animal which Basin have decided to, to stone. What's the reason for the mitzvah? It says, Anyone who was the cause of a takala, of a mishap like this, so we have to distance him. Just like Hashem distances such a thing, we have to distance ourselves from it as well and derive no benefit from such a thing. And if that's the case, even if the animal would kill Bishayi the halach would still apply. Because, again, a takala, a mishap, came because of this animal, and therefore this halach would also be the case. And if that's the case, if a titano, a when we pay attention to this point, 
then yevi'enu lehizoy har bevikol maaseinu. Actually, it's takara mitachas yadeinu. Then by extension, we're going to see that we have to take more cognizance and awareness of what we're doing so that no takara, no misav, chasvashorim will come out as a result of what a person does. The base thing to judge a show and put it to death will only apply to Israel. And therefore, the, even though the mitzvah of not eating from the meat of the Sharonisko would apply equally to everybody, but will only be practical in the case where there was a basin who could pass such a din. Mitzvah and Gimel, and that is the mitzvah basin to done the dinim of a bar. A bar is if a person digs a hole in the street, which now saw, serves as a hazard to passerby, and an animal would fall in and either die or get injured, then the owner of the, or the person who dug the bar would be responsible because he caused the tzakada, he caused the damage. And based enough to judge the case and be mechai of him, make him pay the amount of the, death, the damage that he caused. It's not necessarily a bar, anything which a person digs in the street and as a result causes injury to animals who are allowed to walk in the streets, he would be chayv to pay. However, there's only applies to animals. We learn from a pasuk, it says, Shorach Amar, either a, a, a cow or a donkey, and we say that means dafka these animals, not a person, and not kalim, not vessels which, which were dropped into the bar and smashed. And even though a person would be chayv to pay the damage of a person who injured himself in the bar, if someone fell into the bar and died, then the owner of the bar wouldn't be chayv in that case. Right. So we have, that's our first example of a bar. A person who digs a bar in the street, he was not, he had no, uh, no permission, so to speak, to dig in the street, and that's the case he's chayv. If a person digs a bar in his own property, he's allowed to do that. And people shouldn't be coming into his property. We go a step further than that, and that is if a person would dig a bar in his own property, and then after that he would be mafkir, render ownless his property together with the bar. So even though now people are allowed to walk through it, and they might likely fall into the bar, he would be potter. Because when he dug the bar, he was allowed to do that. It was a bar in his own property, and if that's the case, he didn't do anything wrong by digging it. But if a person would dig a bar in his own property, and thereafter be mafkir his property, but not his bar, so now we have a second din, this is a machlokas in the Gemara between Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Akiva, and that is even though he's not responsible on digging the bar, but since the bar still belongs to him, it's his, if that's the case, he'd be high for any damage which happens inside his bar. And therefore there's two different ways a person's high for the bar. Either the bar which he dug, in a way which was also, or the bar which belongs to him. Now the Chinuch says, he brings a case in the Braise, if a person would dig a bar at the very edge of his property, bordering the street, and there'd be no barrier there. So the bar is his bar and his property, but it's not, it's not in the street, but the passerby right next to it are very likely to fall in. It's Ichai was the potter, the Chinuch Paskins that is potter. Even though really it's a bar in his Rishus and it's presenting a hazard to the street, the Chinuch is an interesting Swara. He says because the person needs to build a, found, a wall around his property. And the only way to wall, build a wall is to dig a foundation. And the only way to dig a foundation is to have a hole in the ground at the edge of his property. And therefore, since the Torah didn't make it forbidden for a person to build a wall on his property, we can't forbid him for digging the ditch, so to speak, which is then going to use as the foundation for his wall. The Mishnah also says if the bar is owned by two people, they're both responsible for it. If the first one left and the second one was still using the bar, then it becomes the second one's responsibility to cover the bar. How well does one have to cover a bar? What, in other words, what 
Why does one have to be scared of going to stand on the, on the cover of the bar and break it? The Gemara says in the place where they normally only cows walking past and then someone brings a camel, does it have to be strong enough for camels as well? Same thing, a person who covers the bar has to check that the cover is still strong, hasn't started to rot or, or disintegrate. Same thing as it did in the bar, that even if a person didn't dig the bar, but the bar was covered and he was the one to uncover it, so now he's the one who's caused the injury because without him the bar wouldn't, wouldn't have posed a threat. Similarly, there's two dinim of how deep the bar is. A bar which a person's chayef for injury could be any, any, any size. A bar which a person's chayef for causing the death of an animal has to be 10 tvachim deep. And therefore, if the first person built or dug a bar of 9 tvachim, and the second person added the extra tefach and now made it into the category of a bar which can also kill an animal, so then the second one's chayef on his own if an animal would actually fall in and die. From this, then we extend it to leaving anything else in a public place which could cause harm. It doesn't have to be a hole, it could be pieces of broken glass, it could be sharp objects or dangerous objects. The same halach would apply that a person is not allowed to leave them in a public place where it could serve as a way to damage innocence passerby. Now, the mitzvah of judging the case would apply only to men who die on him, but the halachas of the bar, which means if a person's chayv, to pay if he caused damage or he has a case to demand payment if he got damaged would apply equally to men and to ladies. Mitzvah and that is Basin's din to judge a ganif who stole where, and make him pay back. Gneva means that a person tries to steal without the victim knowing that he's being started from and obviously the reason for such a mitzvah is Pashat that's there to prevent the breakdown of law and order to stop people stealing. Now, what are the dinim? So there's two dinim. The first one is that firstly, a person has to pay back what he stole. But there's a second din as well, and the Torah puts a penalty on him, and that is he has to pay back a double. We call kafel what he stole, or in the case that he stole a sheep, he'll have to pay back four times, and if he stole a cow, he'll have to pay back five times the amount that he stole. There's another din in the Torah as well, and that is if a person is breaking into someone's property to steal, the owner of the property is allowed to, so to speak, kill him because it's an act of self-defense. A person who's willing to try and break into someone else's property is willing to take the risk that he might have to kill, so to speak, the owner. And if that's the case, the owner who is aware of it can preempt it and kill the intruder. If the ganif can't afford to pay the amount that he stole, so then basically the right to sell him as a slave and use the money from selling him to pay back his what he stole, his debts. Right, how much a person has to pay back for what he stole? So if he can give back the object itself, that's the best. If not, just to pay back its value. And how do you work out the value? If it was the original item which was stolen, and then it's the gun of, let's say, made it improve, or improved by itself. For example, he stole a baby animal that has now grown up, or if the price changed, then it was worth a certain amount, now it was worth so much more. So the Gemara discusses when we work on the paying Cain Shagana, what it was at the time that he stole it, and when he has to pay it, the feeder value that it is now when they're standing in trial. Right. The halacha also is, is that if the, if the owner gives up trying to find his object, and the Ghana will then sell it to somebody else, so the owner can no longer claim the object back, he can only claim back money, the value of the object that the Ghana stole. Same thing, if the gun of changes the object in a significant way, what we call the shinui, 
So then once again, the owner can no longer ask for his object back. He can only ask for payment for what the object was worth. The stint of Gneva will only apply if a person steals, steals from a Jew, because the product says Re'ehu, if a person steals from a non-Jew, or from Hektish, so the stint of Kefal wouldn't apply. So too, Kefal doesn't apply to things which don't have an intrinsic money value, such as Shtaris or Avadim, or even Karkos. And the last point is that if a person is high of a bigger penalty at the same time that he's over the Isra of stealing, so then we only punish him once, like the always is the rule in the Torah. And therefore, if a gunner would steal on Shabbos, and he would rem- he would acquire what he stole by taking it out of the property of the person he stole from, but at the same time he'd be chayav because he's being mechal Shabbos by moving it from one domain to another, then he'll only get punished for the chil Shabbos, and he won't have to pay as well as that for what he stole. So it's a shamer who's watching an object in his trust, and either gets stolen from him, or he himself decides to steal. That's also called Geneva. And the last thing is that it's also for somebody to buy from a Ganav. If he knows that it's stolen merchandise, he's not allowed to buy it. So once again, the dilemma of Geneva apply both to men and to women, whether they're the injured party or they're the, the thief themselves. The Chiv to judge the case will only apply to the Dain who's in a position to do that. Today, we can't hire a person to pay Kefil. Or four or five times, that's a knas, or only applied to Dayanim Husmuchim. But we can hive them to pay back and return, or give the value of or the object that they stole. Same thing today, we can't sell the Ganav, that's only Shaykh when there was a Yevil, and the Dilim of every every applied, like we already learned. Mitzvah Nun Hei, and that is best enough to judge what's called Hever, the damage an animal does by eating or by walking. This isn't the same as you saw before, an animal which is being aggressive. This is the normal way an animal is. And we learn from the Pasuk that if an animal goes out and it's, yeah, it's, it grazes in someone else's field or if a shilach experience sends his animal out and it walks through someone else's field and then while walking it detaches his crops or breaks his things so then the owner of the animal has to pay. Right. Even though the mashmos of the Pasuk is he gave it to the animal to eat or he sent the animal to go there we learn that if the animal went by itself or ate by itself, the owner would be chayv as well. This is what we call in the Gemara shain regal, which means damage done by the tooth and damage done by the foot. And here the amount he has to pay is the whole amount of the damage because animals are likely to do that. When given the opportunity, they will walk wherever they want to go or they will eat whatever the cat is their fancy. But the chayuvim of shain regal are only in the property in the injured person's property. If they would eat fruit belonging to somebody else in the street, or if someone would bring his fruit into the property where the animal is, and then he'd eat the fruit, he'd be part of it. He's only high when he goes into someone else's resource and eats over there. Similarly, the Gemara discusses how much he has to pay. Does he have to pay the value of what he ate, or does he have to pay the value of food which to the same amount that he ate, of an even inferior or cheaper nature, what we call the Hana that the owner got that he doesn't have to feed his animal because it's already eaten from someone else's things. And this is only applies to dinim, to foods which an animal would normally eat. For an animal to eat something which that kind of animal doesn't eat, goes back into the ghetto, we see this as being aggressive and not the normal thing an animal would want to eat. However, if when an animal's hungry, he'll even eat things which aren't on his regular diet, then that would be a khil of paying Shane the value of what he ate as well. Since this is a regular thing to happen, the halacha is 
that even Dayanim who are not smokim can judge the case of Shane Viragal and force the owner of the animal to pay back from the person that was injured. And once again, it applies to men and ladies equally. And the mitzvah applies to the man who's the Dayan to ensure that the deal is carried out. One more mitzvah in the and that is for Basin to judge cases of fire damage. The Torah says if a fire goes out and burns another's field, the one who lit the fire has to pay for it. Which means even if the person lit the fire in his own property, but the fire spread into someone else's property, he would be high to pay the damage that was caused. Because a fire, like anything else which a person creates and now can cause damage, he's responsible to look after it, that it doesn't do that. Same thing if a person would send a, f- a coal or a flame with a child or a shoita who's unable to guard it properly. So the cases where he would be chayev also because they can't do the job of guarding the flame. But if you give it to an adult, then obviously the adult is responsible for himself because he was meant to have watched it. So too, if a number of people are involved in causing a, flame, a fire to spread, one person brings the candle, one brings the wood, one blows it, and all together the fire gets out of control, the Gemara says it will, it will be chayev for that. Same thing, if a person leaves a fire outside his store in the street, a passing animal catches the light as a result and causes damage, the person left the fire outside, and this would be cases where we wanted to do that, would have to pay for the damages. And once again, this applies to men and ladies equally, and the din and the dayan is specifically the judge, who is the man who is able to enforce the halacha. Mitzvah and zayin, the mitzvah based in to judge the din of Hashem Mechinam, Hashem Echilam is somebody who's volunteering to look after someone else's property. He's not being paid for it, and therefore, therefore, he gets no benefit from what he's doing. He's only doing it to help the other person. And the halacha of the Shem Echilam is, is that if anything happens to the object he's meant to be watching, for example, it gets lost, or it gets stolen, or it gets broken, the Shem Echilam is potter from paying for it, as long as he wasn't negligent. He accepted himself to watch it, and as long as he wasn't negligent in the way he watched it, then he's not hive to pay any other damage which happens to it. Right. However, if the Shem Echinam, instead of watching it, decided to take it for himself, then he's hive. By choosing to keep it for himself and not return it to its owner, that's a kind of a gneva. The Torah goes a step further than that and says that if when the owner comes to claim it, the Shem Echinam will say, it was stolen from me, and then we find that he himself stole it, then he gets the den of a ganef, and therefore, just like we saw, a Ghanif has to pay Kefil, he would also have to pay Kefil. But if he says, I lost it, and really he had it, and he's not claiming a story of Geneva, he's saying it was lost, if that's the case, we don't have to pay the value of what he took, which is the carry. The Allah is, for us to believe the Shomer that, he know, that something happened to it, he has to make a Shvur. This is one of the three Shvurs of the Torah that a Shomer has to make to absolve himself of responsibility. And the Gemara adds on a second shvur as well. Not just what happened to it, but a shvur that is no longer in his possession. Because otherwise we, can, we are scared. Maybe he stole it, and it's just covering up for the fact that he wants to keep it. And this also is a mitzvah based in either to administer the shvur and absolve the shomer, or failing that to mechaev, to obligate the shomer to pay back the object that is in his possession.